1: It was like a weird kind of familiarity. I knew I loved you before I met, met you. What are the words after? I, I see you in my dreams. Wow, I can't believe I know the words to that. <laughs> wow, that was a good ass song. That's our new theme. That's our, that's our song. We're gonna dance to that at our wedding. Aww. Oh, you and me. Yeah, oh. you and me. Oh, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Welcome to the Holy, Holy hour. hour.
1: I'm Amelia Sampson.
2: And I'm Liz Ball. Oh. Welcome back, our little angels.
1: Hi, our angels. <laughs> we named you this week. Mm-hmm. Isn't that fun? Tell us if you like it. Yeah. Sign in our DMs. Be like, bitch. Our little angels. We're not a angel, okay. I just said uh, cocaine in the bathroom before listening to the episode. <laughs> angel who?
2: Oh, I wanted to put a sign in my bathroom that says um, if you do coke in the bathroom, you have to share. Those are the rules. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but to caveat that, I also want to say that I do not enjoy cocaine. Me neither. Me neither. Ma- People love cocaine. How many times have you uh, tried nose candy?
1: Twice. The first time, hold on, pause for pop. It's not pop. Nobody calls soda pop here. It, was, it just meant pop. It's it's salter. Um, I the first time I did it, I just gummed it because I was like. I heard all these horror stories. Sometimes people will try cocaine once and it kills them.
2: Yeah, a lot of
1: the times it's like laced with shit. Yeah, fucked up. So I was like, I'm just going to gum it so I like feel cool. And had that it. taste. Awful. Yeah. My gums and my tongue were numb for like two hours, which is not worth it. Uh, and then the second time I did it, I did it how people do it. And I was freaking the fuck out because my, I'm already operating at 100. So like bumping it up to anything higher than 100 was like a Bump. little scary thing yeah so <laughs> um twice and i will not be doing it again what about you how many times have you done it
2: i've done it i think like five times holy shit
1: i never like it you did it in Schlamp. I never liked it. Oh, shit, you're right. Yeah. That was before I like really knew you super well. And, and our friend came out of the bathroom and she was like, Listen, I just did coke in the bathroom. I was like, This does coke. It up. was
2: the most disgusting bathroom I've
0: ever mm-hmm. been in. I have it was a Senior bathroom.
2: Frog's bathroom. The ground was wet. So it was at Winterfest. Uh-huh. And I was already so fucked up that I was like, This will help. And it did. Well, that's good. Uh, but um, my the next day when we were driving back, my body started, like, shutting down. Oh, no. I was, like, in the in the car with our friend who was driving me and another friend home. And I was sitting in the back seat, and I was like, I need you to pull over. <gasps> and then I thought I was going to throw up, but I just, like, I got outside. I needed air. And I was just, like, my – I was, like, shaking. And I was like, can I please sit in the front? <laughs> And then they were like, yeah, of course. I was like, I promise I won't puke in your car. I was like, I just, I don't know what's happening. My body was just, like, shutting down. Oh, my God. But most of the time I throw up after because, like, the drip. Oh, like, right after? No, like, the next day. (gasps) The nasal drip always makes me vomit. And then, also, considering, like, how I eat, I can hardly eat, like, I I can hardly eat fast food for a weekend. Like, if I'm traveling and then I'm like, (laughs) So, my for my first bit, <laughs> I actually texted you this. This is a life hack for the ladies. Um, start calling the way you want to be treated a kink, <coughs> because it makes it like attractive. Yes, to like specifically straight men. So if you're just like, yeah, I don't know, I just I have like a um, like a praise kink. <laughs> That's a thing. Yeah, praise kinks are real. Usually, I have it for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who, who doesn't like praise, especially when it's sexual? But in general, you could say I have a praise kink. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an, I have a kink for like, <laughs> equality and equity and. <laughs>
1: <laughs> equality and equity really fucking oof yeah. gets me sliding off the chair. <laughs> Let me think what my kink is. Um, the kink for men who stand up to other dipshit men yeah. to defend that actually is women's a kink. rights as a kink of mine. I have. A, I used to say that my kink was making men regret talking to me. <laughs> we also have a consent Not kink. Ooh, ooh, that's my number. Oh, I love a consent kink. Mm-hmm. A
2: guy asked for be my our my consent. First, our first merch will be. Uh, consent
1: is my kink yeah i would i would buy every item of that oh actually this is a good time to ask if anybody ha- like has any thing oh, yeah. that they want, on want merch. merch we're starting to make merch Anyways, but anyway that's so a yes. life hack yeah i love that life hack i thought when you said life hack you were going to talk about the thing that you found of how to figure out whose burner is looking at your instagram stories oh i don't want instagram
2: to find out we know that okay um uh, but I okay. wanna talk about first song. Do you remember your first song? Yes, I do. Tell me all about it.
1: Um I had a friend growing up who um kinda she was she was kind of mean to me. So I was like a little afraid of her. And my So she was a bully. Yeah, but she was like I like loved her so much. I had multiple therapists tell me, like, you yeah, gotta not be friends with this girl, she's bad for you. Um but I was still friends with her. Anyway, she would always kind of be the reason that I would make, like, big, like, two adult decisions for me. Like, I was way too young to be doing certain things that I was doing. And my first song was an example of that because her mom took us to um, Victoria's Secret Pink when we were Ten. Ten? And they had like pink was like, you know, like yeah. the sweatpants and like all I the know. cool kids in school had well, them. And they so had, we like like begged. The Lip
2: gloss. Mm-hmm. They had like
1: beauty products. Yeah, like lotions. Uh, but they <laughs> Love had like a... Spell. they had like seven pairs of underwear for $30 or something. Yeah. And um, so she was gonna like buy us underwear, like just like full back, just normal underwear. And my friend convinced me to sneak two thongs into my seven. <laughs> And I did, and I had so much shame around it. Like thongs to me was like buying porn. Like when I was that age, I was like, oh my God, this is so wrong. I'm too young to wear a thong. I felt like it was like a whole Lizzie McGuire moment. I was like, how am I going to tell my mom? And so I just like hid this thong under my bed, two thongs, under my bed for like years. Have you they, like, ever wear about- them? No. <laughs> and eventually I bought thongs for like, you know, like when I would wear like yoga pants to school and stuff and then I would wear them but like I was way too young to have thongs and I was seriously I feel like I had committed a crime by buying these thongs <laughs> so those were my first thongs I remember exactly what they looked like they were pink and white and they were like um just like a normal kind Did of cloth she get thongs? yeah she, she got like exclusively thongs I don't know how we got them past her mom I think she was able to distract her while we were paying so she couldn't see the check out, oh the woman at
2: checkout checking. It was You're a whole giving thing. giving me PTSD of, like, my, like, middle school friends with, like, shitty parents. mm
1: mm-hmm.
2: And I'm like, oh, no wonder my parents were like, no, we need to meet their parents before can yes. spend the night. At the time, it was annoying, but as an adult, I'm like, thank fucking God. Mm-hmm. Like, adults know that other adults fucking suck. Yep. Yeah. Uh, thank god i wish my parents had been more candid with me but i also don't keep my mouth shut like i probably would have been like my mom needs to meet your parents because she (laughs) doesn't trust (laughs) (laughs) she needs to make sure that they're not pedophiles
1: yeah god that's so real i actually thought about that recently how like yeah you know what if if my kids were going to someone's house i would want their parents names their parents social security numbers (laughs) two emergency (laughs) contacts turn your location on do they have Uh, guns in the house yeah oh god that was such a thing too that was a big thing for
2: my parents too Mm -hmm.
1: what was your first thong experience um
2: my first thong i was in seventh grade so i was like 13 maybe 14 maybe i was in eighth grade seventh or eighth grade and my two closest friends um we would like go to the mall on the weekends. Let's go to the mall and, and then just like walk
1: around the mall with like twenty yeah, dollars. Yeah, we would my do mom that too. Gave me
2: twenty bucks. Yeah, I'm gonna go couch it. She said, "Here's twenty bucks. Get the fuck out of my face." <laughs> seriously though (laughs) fuck teenagers i'm Uh, sure she was like i will give you 20 dollars to not be a shitty ass teenager in my house i will pay you to leave (laughs) yeah exactly that's literally what it was and then it's like i don't know can alexa's mom drive you (laughs) to the mall and leave you there for seven hours because i'm over it i need a break anyways uh i was at the mall with my two closest girlfriends and uh We went into Victoria's Secret and we all bought a thong and I, I was like, like, I was just like that, like preteen or not that puberty chubby, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where your body is like, you're gaining weight because soon enough it's going to even out in like your hips and your, and your chest. Mm -hmm. But... For a little while, you just look like a stuffed sausage. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> nothing fits, and your training bras don't fit anymore, but you're still wearing them. God, I remember that. And you're like, so do I go well. to limited too? I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so I was still kind of in this like pubescent phase, and um, my one of my friends, I was like, I guess I maybe like. So one of my friends was a twig, and my other friend was a little more curvy. She's like had settled into puberty more, uh, she had hips, she had boobs and I was in that middle stage of the both of them. And I was like, I guess I'm built a little more like this curvier girl. So all by the same size she buys. <clears throat> so she was wearing a medium thong. And even now as an adult, I wear an extra small because I have zero ass. <laughs> never had one never will doesn't matter how much I work out it's just it's cute but it's tiny (laughs) anyways um so I bought this medium thong so it like went up to like the middle of my back it's just like way too big they're
1: so uncomfortable when they're a little baggy yeah
2: and it was like uh it was like a g-string too and um it was like a valentine's day themed one so like the trim was light pink and then the Body of it was like, uh, it was red, and then in pink writing, it said, like, love pink, and like, what other, whatever. It looked like graffiti. I can, st- I can see it, perfectly. I can like
1: visualize it. Yeah,
2: and I tried to keep it a secret, but I still would wear it because I needed something to wear with my silver jeans from, <laughs> from, uh, what was that, uh, from the buckle. Oh my god buckle my silver brand jeans from buckle with um the wide legs the flared bottom i fucking forgot
1: how is buckle still open how can they still afford and they make commission
2: have you ever heard of uh,
1: the buckle challenge no
2: (laughs) you have to try and walk in and touch the back wall and leave with no one talking to you (gasps)
1: We used to do that at Abercrombie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you worked
1: at yeah, Abercrombie. Yeah, I
2: worked at Abercrombie, and it's, I can tell you, it's because they would get in trouble mm-hmm. for not greeting you. Yep, at
1: American Eagle, too. They would be in our ear, say hi to this customer. Yeah. I'm like, this customer clearly doesn't want to be talked to. We didn't have
2: <laughs> earpieces. We had a regular walkie-talkie, though. Um, so someone on Instagram had messaged us, um, a, a man messaged us on Instagram and wanted to know what we thought about um being just friends after a few uh like hinge dates I think you specified dating app like what what about being just friends after a few dates Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and we have two pretty different takes Mm
1: -hmm. do you want to go first
2: (laughs) well I have not like I've never been friends with someone after like hinge dates yeah you know yeah um and I also haven't really had the desire to. Well, that's the thing. I think, and I'm not friends with any of my exes.
1: You're you're good at making boundaries for, like, what you need from, like, people, too, when you're not romantically involved with them anymore. Like, I I kind of stray into the, like, well, we could probably make this work as friends just out of, like, I don't know, I feel like I have to. And you're really good at being like, nope, that's, we're not. <laughs> well, there's been a few
2: circumstances in my life where, like... I I could see myself being just friends with them, but like once you put that out there and they don't feel the same way and they're like romantically interested in you, they're not going to settle for being mm-hmm. just friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe it's like too complicated or painful for them to like be just your friend. Yeah. That's um. True. So I mean, like, there's yeah, I've I've gone on some Hinge dates where I'm like, yeah, I could see us being friends, but that's not what they want. And I have um like. At least one ex who I, like, hoped that we could be friends, but uh, he did not want to be friends. And that's fair, because I, like, you know, I broke up with him, so.
1: Yeah, it's always easier for the person doing the breaking up to be like, we should <laughs> that's <laughs> friends. You could be a great friend. Yeah. Like, no. That's not what I want. Yeah, I met one of my best friends um, on The League, which is like Raya, but for professionals, and it fucking
2: sucks. <laughs> so it's like LinkedIn, the yeah, LinkedIn of dating apps? Yeah,
1: and you have to like get so approved. There's like racists on there? <laughs> yep. I mean, it's... I mean, there's racists everywhere. Right. It's really not that great of an app, but I did um, meet him off of it, and he is one of my favorite people in the world, and we went on we became friends like virtually <laughs> at the beginning of the pandemic. I was in Florida when we matched on the league. He's was in Seattle and we just started talking and we did like a co- We covered a song from across the country before we met. We just like, I don't know. I felt like I knew him really well before I met him. And then we met and there were just like no romantic sparks. Um, but I adored him. He's just like dope and so we kept hanging out and now we have this like little foursome of people that just hang out Mm -hmm. and we've like dabbled in the romance a little bit but did um, you like try going on a date we went on one date oh okay um we ate sushi in madison park and there was like a bunch of ambulances everywhere because somebody had like maybe drowned but they like weren't sure it was such a weird day oh my god yeah but yeah he and i like FaceTime every night (laughs) like he's one of my favorite people we've it's been it's gotten a little complicated here and there which as it does because like I don't know two people that are not bad looking like (laughs) hanging out all the time and something's bound to happen but we've been able to stay friends and like I he's one of those people like if my car broke down at like four in the morning I could call him and he would like get out of bed and pick me up he's one of those and for a dating app to be able to introduce me to somebody that way is unique but that's been my experience i mean every other guy that i've met on dating apps that like it hasn't worked out with romantically it's been it's kind of been a no-brainer that we aren't gonna talk anymore even as friends Mm -hmm. i'm trying to think if there's any other
2: instance i don't think that there is well and most of the time in those circumstances you're like it it's romantic initially Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah and I think that that's harder, like on a dating app, like there's so many misses, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like you could go on one date with someone or you can match with them and like, they're just not interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think like, it's not completely strange that you like were able to build a friendship with someone from a dating app. It's just rare because there's so many like other misses like how many other people do you not have chemistry with Uh so
1: yes totally
2: (laughs) like scientifically or mathematically it's like of course maybe one out of however many people you've gone on dates with you become friends with yeah and I do have like friends that have become like very good friends to me that I've hooked up with in the past Mm -hmm. I forget that I've hooked up with them (laughs) yeah because like now I could never see them that way Uh uh-huh so, you know, there's a big difference between who you are at 22 and who you are at 29. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Believe it or not. God, I feel like there's a difference between 26 and 27 for me. It's so much oh, life yeah. happens in a year.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm exhausted. Yeah,
1: I, me too. I feel 29, 90. it's
2: finally starting to level out. Uh, my boyfriend just turned 27. <laughs> and it's because he's trying to take advantage of me for... Um, my money. We mm-hmm. joke that it's elder abuse. I was going to say it's like an Anna Nicole Smith kind <laughs> of situation. But the joke's on him because I don't have any money, so. Uh, but one day and he <laughs> sees the potential. Uh, but, yeah, he was like, do you have any advice for me? And I was like, well... Uh, you know, twenty six fucking sucked for me. Like most of my twenties sucked, and then they've gotten better. Twenty eight was better than twenty seven, but twenty seven was okay. I really He's feel like, like this isn't hurting.
1: Yeah, this like, is great. They thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. For this He's advice. way more like self aware and mature than I was. So, also like we keep getting it pumped into our ears that that your twenties are like the best, and they just fucking aren't because you're trying to figure shit out in your 20s I feel like 30s are gonna
2: be the best I know there's so much shit you need to like try and go through in your 20s like you graduate college uh, if you went to college and then like you have to get a job but it's so hard to get one Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you're just kind of set like social media definitely sets us up to think that like people's dreams just come true and that's not the
1: case at all no no No, Um, I just started liking my 20s and I'm 27. Yeah. Like same three months ago. (laughs) That's well,
2: because you're it's I think it's because your frontal lobe doesn't finish developing until you're 25. Mm. So it's just kind of like you're operating from this place of ego until that age. At least that's how it was for me. Like I wasn't intentionally selfish, but I just wasn't like super aware of what other people might be going through. <laughs> yeah. And then I went through some hard shit and I was like, and when people started showing up for me during those hard times, I was like, holy shit. First of all, I'm very lucky. Second of all, I can't believe like other people f- <laughs> like know how to support someone through this. Yeah. So it, yeah, you, you got to go through some shit. <laughs> yeah, you really do. I've yeah. Your twenties is to beat the, <laughs> the arrogance out of you <laughs> seriously and nope. if you still suck by age 30 you're stuck that way
1: <sighs> you're probably <frozen>. yeah <laughs> when the clock strikes midnight on your 30th birthday you're frozen like that <laughs> yeah no, i'm just kidding <laughs> i am so grateful that my 20s were so awful though <laughs> me too and like i, I was really was i would be
2: such a little fuck if like i yeah. didn't get <laughs> shaken around by
1: seriously life it's events. So hard to see that when you're living it. I was like, when I was going through all of it, I was like, What the fuck is this for? <laughs> like, why am I going through this? And then the second that you're like,
2: I'm just gonna let it happen to me and
1: like take it in stride mm-hmm. day by day. Yeah. It's made me really grateful for things that I saw as curses before. Like, I was talking about this. A few nights ago, I had this like light bulb moment um, where I realized that like I get really excited when doors close for me. <laughs> like I'm like hyped about it. I'm just imagining you like throwing a middle finger at the door, like ha ha <laughs> bitch. <laughs> you think this would throw me off? Uh-uh. <laughs> no, I think that it's because like every time anything has happened where a door is closed or an opportunity has ended, or I've seen something as something negative like my favorite shit in my life has come out of stuff ending for me Mm -hmm. and so now whenever anything ends I'm just like fuck yeah universe what do you got because it's like always something beautiful and it's always something that I'm so proud of and I don't think that I would have been able to have that wherewithal about all of these negative situations if I hadn't had gone through all of the shit that I went through in 2020 and 2020 was awful for everybody but like personal life wise even if like the world was like doing real great in 2020 it still would have been the worst year ever for me because I just had an awful personal year and looking back on it I'm like I needed that fucking reset like I needed Mm -hmm. to go through it and honestly most of it is a fucking blur like I was in such a depression in 2020 like I don't remember most of it so but now knowing what has come out of that like our friendship got so much stronger last year and the holy hour started last year. And like, I look back on all of these things that I'm like, I love the most. And I'm just like, fuck, like. like, oh, if that didn't happen, I wouldn't have this. Right, and it's like me just saying yes to things that, because I was just kind of like, okay, you know? And now I'm like intentionally saying yes to things because I know that it can lead to other exciting stuff.
2: Isn't it crazy how like once you're out of a specific like, Even if it's situational depression or just, like, a circumstance that's been really hard to navigate, it feels like the fog has cleared. Mm -hmm. Like, you're like, oh, my God, I can finally see. And you didn't even realize because it happened so gradually that suddenly you're just like, oh. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I feel... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that weird? It did kind of feel like an all of a sudden thing and I know that it wasn't. And I was talking to my therapist about it that. Was setting you up. Yes. It's like these building blocks of
2: Exactly. Building the foundation for you to have this very sometimes you gotta knock shit down before you can have what is supposed to be there for yes, a long time. Totally
1: everything falls apart at the perfect time that it's supposed to fall back together. But my therapist and I were talking about this because when I started feeling good, I was like, oh, What's up? <laughs> Why <laughs> Well, why is do I this feel loud. Yeah, it feels illegal. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. I was like, what, "What am I? Like, what's going on?" And she was like, "What do you, you've been working hard in therapy for three years? What the fuck do you mean? What's going on?" Because it really felt like a one day I was bad and one day I was good. I'm mm-hmm. like waiting for the other shoe to drop. She's yes, like, "Bitch, I, you have been working for this. What do you mean?"
2: <laughs> I relate to that really hard. Yeah, it's just like when you have something good, you're like, "The other shoe is gonna drop. Something's gonna happen." Mm-hmm.
1: It's Part and, of having an anxiety
2: disorder. Yep, <laughs> and it's hard. Like. Uh, you know, once this is what my therapist and I talked about um, last week, because she was like, how are you doing? And I was like, honestly, this is like the happiest I've been in a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, the more we talked about why and stuff, uh, she, I was like, I would still get stuck in these like thought patterns. And then I also didn't realize how bad my anxiety got until it got better. Yeah. And um, she was like, I mean, you put a lot of habits in place that like you, you were training yourself to get to that place. So even if you didn't feel that way in the moment, you were like progressively doing things differently and you knew eventually your brain would catch up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's so true. Like it's, it is kind of like cheesy and oversaid, but like when you, when you have those practices in place, like your brain eventually does catch up. Yeah. You're creating new pathways. Yeah. And that shit's hard. So if you're doing that, good for you. Because yeah. it is really fucking hard to create a new pathway in your brain. It really is. And it feels thankless until one day it doesn't. Yeah. And it feels like you're just like stuck. for Because you're like, huh, I already know that this path doesn't lead anywhere. Mm-hmm. If I go down the path I've always gone down, it's just going to like lead me to the same thing that I don't
1: want. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, you have to make a new path. Yes. Yeah, it's like you're in a maze. Totally. And I would like if if somebody's listening and they're going through like anxiety or depression, I can speak from a depression standpoint just cuz it's so recent for me, like try to pay attention to things that you wouldn't think were depression things that you are like slowly getting back as you're getting better. Like I, my depression showed up in weird fucking ways. Like I didn't, I was sad, but I wasn't like the, like how it's portrayed on commercials. with yeah, Like the rain m- cloud following you around and like, boop, boop, you're like It's just like out. feeling blue. That
2: is not yeah. how depression shows up. No, my and depression. Also, they, they make it like depression is like you're
1: broken. Yeah. And you're not. No, I was super functional and I know not everybody is lucky enough to be, but I didn't know that I was depressed. Like people would be like, I think you're depressed. I'd be like, the fuck? I'm, no, I'm not. But I was doing shit like. And these weren't my only symptoms, obviously, but how it was showing up was, like, I didn't open mail for, like, three months. I just had a a I got sent to collections three times because I just, like, didn't want to open my mail. Um, I stopped singing in the shower, which is something – that was one of the first things that came back when the Prozac started working. I started singing in the shower again, and I didn't even realize that I had stopped. And I was, like (laughs) – it felt weird to sing in the shower because it had been six months. And like, those are little things that are like such small, little depression symptoms that like when you're able to recognize that that's starting to come back, it's kind of like addictive. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, what else, what else am I going to get back? I like got through my bills. Like I open my mail when it comes now, which is like, if you're listening and you haven't had to struggle through depression, it's like, cool, you, you opened your mail. But that's like a big yeah. fucking thing. I go on walks now around the block when it's not raining. It's just like, Shit that you wouldn't expect just goes away when you're depressed, and so anyway, all that to say, yeah,
2: it's like a wall is has been taken down. Yes, exactly. It's like something was holding you back from like doing these super basic things that you know you should do, mm-hmm. like put away your laundry, or oh my wash god, your dishes, or yeah. just shit like that. It piles Vacuum. up, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the same goes for anxiety of like there are these things that are so fucking easy to do and then you think about you have to do it and then you start thinking about all the other things you have to do and then you're like Fuck. yeah
1: yeah and you get but, frozen in it we've talked yeah. about that on a past episode like yeah you get, you get frozen, frozen in your anxiety yeah mm-hmm. and anxiety and depression are besties you know that. they really are comorbid, comorbid together. baby that's why antidepressants <laughs> are also anti-anxiety medication mm-hmm. we love you
2: prozac I have a little bit of beef with Prozac right now. <gasps> I wanted to talk about this. My sex drive on Prozac has been, like, fucking weird. Like, at first, like, the first couple of weeks, I felt like my, like, clit was numb. Weird. And then, yeah. And then, like, I just couldn't even feel it. I didn't really care either. I was like, man, whatever. I I just started. Yeah. So yeah. I'll see if it goes away. And then it's just kind of been a... A roller coaster and then like lately it's just like taken forever for me to orgasm mm-hmm. it takes so long and it's so much work and then it's not as satisfying as it used to be when I do I don't know and then it's just like I don't feel like as um like horny mm-hmm. not that I was like a horn dog before but like I like things that would probably like you know, get me, like, hot and bothered, like, if I'm just, like, fantasizing or something, like, don't really click the same way, like, I can't think about something and be like, oh, that's really hot, like, I have to be doing it, hmm. and even then, I don't know. Have you talked to our, our psychiatrist about it? No,
1: because it didn't
2: start happening until, until,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I've noticed, like, my, it takes me longer to orgasm, but I, I didn't Like, it doesn't feel any different once I do. So it's just interesting how it affects everybody differently. Yeah. And it's interesting that that's a new side effect, too. So I wonder... I know that it takes, like, eight weeks for it to... mm -hmm.
2: Well, after the first month, like, I was kind of also paying attention to my, like, natural cycle. Mm -hmm. And, like, the week of my um, ovulation, I would be, like... I would still have, like, a day where I was just, like, so insatiably horny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I didn't have that this time around. Like, I mean, and sometimes like when I'm having sex, it's like partially an experiment for me. Cause I'm like, okay, what can I do to like be more like, um, in the moment yeah, and like, and then you get so in your own head, like it's never really like been this hard for me to orgasm. So like I'm in my head like fuck it's taking a long time like yeah and then you feel like guilty and then and uh, that guilt makes it harder for it to happen
1: it's like a cycle
2: yes and it also made me realize like some other thoughts of like I have always treated like when I'm having sex I've always like even though like you know my pleasure is important to me I still have also kind of treated it as like an afterthought or like an inconvenience whether like conscious or not um because I you know I can say it's important to me because it is it is important to me but like those things can coexist like my orgasm is important to me but also I feel this like looming sense of like inconvenience or guilt Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah and I know I'm not the only person who feels that way of just like but also like, a lot of the times um, you get so much, like, self-satisfaction from making your partner come. Yeah. And so I, like, try and remind myself, like, you know, I'm not, like, we're not only having sex for my boyfriend or no. something. Yeah. You know? Like, and he's not that way at all either, so. Where do you think that guilt comes from? Um, I think probably just my first experiences with sex. hmm Yeah. That'll do it. And then when you... When those things are finally brought to the forefront of, like, oh, I didn't realize I've been, like, treating it like this. Yeah. Like, subconsciously. Then you're, like, oh, at least now I know. And I can start working on that.
1: Yeah. Totally. So, totally. That's the first step of fixing it. Yeah. But
2: I... I <laughs> and it being so, like, so different now, like, to try and, like, be aroused while on Prozac is just... It's a whole other world.
1: Yeah. It really is. And then also, like, not really, like... Having it in your head that it's a chemical thing, it's not like if I just like try something different, it's like, no, it's just like actually harder for it. it there's almost like it adds a, a different kind of pressure. I've realized like if I can't orgasm, like I'll, I'll fake and like I hate that, but it's like, I don't want you to like, have to work on me for like 30 minutes i never fake it good for I'm you just straight up like i don't think i'm gonna come see i i you know what i think is like a lot of my sexual encounters have been there's been shame around it like not being able to come just from like a oh are, are you sure like oh, are you sure there's nothing i can do for you and then they feel bad about themselves not being able to make me come it's like no it's just not as easy for us and i think like so i'll just fake <laughs> just and
2: everyone can relate to each other in that aspect too like we're all trying to like that, that, that does make, that should make everyone feel better. Yeah. You know, we all care about the other person. Yes.
1: Climaxing. And it's not a chore unless they don't. I know so many guys that don't give a single fuck if I come. I know, <laughs> I know. And they won't even pretend like they do. I'm like, just pretend. <laughs> <laughs> just pretend to care. Just, uh... But you're right. I mean, like, if you're having sex with somebody that you care about like everybody's goal is to make each other feel good yeah period I I mean I'm I think like I'm I feel pretty confident saying that and mm-hmm. so I don't know I feel bad faking I actually had this conversation with um a guy that I'm hooking the only guy I'm hooking up with right now <laughs> that um I never have to fake with him and he was like oh well like you if you needed to it's it's fine. Like, he was, like, kind of checking in with me, like, that I wasn't, like, making sure that I was saying that I never faked just for, sort of, like, his ego. Like, there's just so much stigma around women faking orgasms because men can't. Yeah.
0: <laughs> unless they're, like, really
1: strategic about how they, like, take off the condom to, like, make it look like maybe they did. But otherwise, like, we don't really have much to show for it a lot of the time. So, like, we can fake it. But I think that there's, like, for for men that have sex with women, like... I would imagine and I hadn't thought about it until last week that there might be like a little bit of like I don't know what's the word I'm looking like insecurity around like did she actually come or is she faking you know yeah it'd be interesting to talk to somebody about that because yeah I want to know the stats
2: on how many women fake orgasms.
1: Well, we have 50 50% here between the two of us. I don't fake every orgasm obviously. I, I f- I, my orgasm is important points. to me, but yeah. like sometimes I'm just like I don't want to I don't want to work at this and like Exactly. Well, and then okay, so I saw a TikTok
2: earlier today where this girl is uh explaining how like she she exp- she compares having an orgasm to fishing or like uh yeah, so she's like I I like like catching a fish. So she's like, I don't need to catch a fish to enjoy fishing. Uh-huh. And I know it's not going to happen that's every so time true. and that's okay. But it's so like that's exactly how I feel about like all kinds of like uh even just making out. Like yeah. I just want to make out because I enjoy it, not yeah. because I want it to lead to anything. Yes. I just want to kiss your face. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And just like there's so many levels to intimacy and um you know, we've said this so many times, like, boys and girls are socialized differently, so our ideas around sex are vastly different, and we're all trying to figure it out, yeah. and it can be awkward, but still, like, at the end of the day, like, intimacy does not have to come down to, like, if you have sex and if you orgasm. Yeah,
1: but right. It's just so, like, I think a lot of people have been taught that sex is, like, goal-oriented. Yeah. <laughs> And really for me, and a lot of people that I know too, like it's, it really is just the process of enjoying it. But like, I think a lot of people have in their mind that their partner is goal oriented. So if they can't make them come, then they're doing something wrong. And that's just not, I can't, we can't speak for everybody, but Mm -hmm. me, you, and a lot of my girlfriends that I've talked to say the same thing. Like, no, it's just the act of it is nice. Like we don't, it's not an absolute must have. It's just one of those things that I think, uh, can make you feel very like
2: desired. Mm -hmm. And if it's good, even if you don't have an orgasm, you still feel, um, like physically appreciated and desired and like your partner is still interested in you. Right.
1: But like always like strive, you know, to make your (laughs) partner (laughs) come. See, this is my, I'm like walking back when I, cause I, the. Also like don't
2: feel bad checking in and being like, listen, I don't think I'm going to get there.
1: Yeah. I've been practicing being better at that, but th- I just hate the like, w- w- you know what I mean? Like, what what can I do? No, like, so I just don't. I don't need to, you know? Yeah. But it's so nice to you like can
2: be in a healthy relationship, and it'll still be an awkward conversation. Yeah, that's true.
1: It just it and
2: I don't it doesn't need to be, but no. it is. And I think it's it, it's never like like both people are f- experiencing shame. Mm-hmm. You know, it's never because you're like you don't want to. Yeah. You know, like the girl said, it's nice when you catch a fish. Yeah. You, you like catching a fish. You just know it's not going to happen every time. Yeah. Right. And that's okay. It's totally okay. You know, you could be in your own head. Maybe your body is just like not really in, on the same page, but you enjoy like making your partner happy. And that is like also equally satisfying. You can still enjoy the intimacy without catching a fish. Mm-hmm. And I, that applies to all kinds of intimacy yeah you know yeah I was thinking the other day it's just nice to like be caressed a little
1: yeah and like not like you're saying have a warm hand on your boob so nice I love a man's hand on me <laughs> I don't It's I've I'm realizing as I get older physical touch is, is kind of working its way up my love language Same. list I used to like kind of I could be I could do without it But now whenever a guy just has his hand on me, I'm like, (laughs) well, (laughs) I I think the thing that's appealing about it, like I used to not be a very big physical
2: touch person. And it's because anytime there was any form of intimacy with my ex, he expected sex. So it's like, I didn't want to kiss. I didn't want to like snuggle with him because he was going to expect me to have sex with him. So it was just like, those were all things that I had. I had to create these boundaries around physical touch because Mm -hmm. I didn't always want to have sex. Especially because, like, none of my emotional needs were met. Yeah. So uh, it's done, like, I've had to do a lot of work around physical touch. And, like, now I'm in a relationship with someone who is very, like, um, snuggly and, like, caring and, you know, gives lots of hugs and stuff. And, like, it's just been really nice to, like, re, like, take back that part of my yeah like life and how I feel around physical touch that's awesome yeah that's so great i just think... be snuggled and like not have to like have sex
1: yeah <laughs> totally totally it's really I, I think that there's a lot to be said about like I think a lot of how people's love languages are is defined by like st- like your upbringing and like you as an individual but like I really do believe a lot of it has to do with person that you're with romantically, yeah. Too. Like, not that my they like... My parents are not, like, you
2: know. <laughs> we hug each other, and it's awkward. <laughs> really? I mean, not with my mom, but my dad. Okay. <laughs> like, he's just not a very, like, affectionate person. And I think a lot of dads are like that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not gonna, like... I think it'd be weird if my dad was always, like, holding my hand or something. And You know, if you do that with your dad, that's fine, but... <laughs> me and my dad don't do that and it just knowing him it would be weird um but like I'm like constantly holding my mom's hand and like I'm like can I have a hug (laughs) especially when I saw them um over Christmas like (laughs) because my boyfriend's so snuggly I was like I miss having someone's like hand to hold and stuff (laughs) <laughs> that you do get used to being able to just like put your hand out and have I, someone hold your hand. I love holding hands. I, yes, I fucking love <laughs> hand holding. That was the first
1: time. No, that I'm was when Amelia and
2: I like first really
1: bonded. Yes. Was that, was, in, was that in Chelan?
2: No, we had a girls night with like a bunch of girls that we work with. And then, um, one of them is not a big handholder. And I was like. <laughs> I was like watch she won't let me hold her hand and then I tried to hold her hand she's like no don't touch me and then I was like Amelia hold my hand cause you said you were a hand holder too Yes. and I was like Ugh, this feels so good <laughs> when you're drinking and you're just like just want I just wanna to hold. hold hands that's well, so true and like my best friend Anna and I always hold hands it's just <laughs> so like we one time Anna and I are so like close she doesn't live here which sucks but we, like when we lived together, we both would babysit this little boy. Um, like if Anna was out of town, I would babysit him. And we ran into them after we, the family, when we graduated. And, uh, I guess like, sh- uh, the mom put him in the car and then he was like, mom, are Liz and Anna married? <laughs> oh my God. And I was like, we pretty much are. Yeah, like, I don't know
1: how to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we talk about if we had a son, <laughs> But Anna recently started following me on Twitter, and it was oh my god, full fucking moment in my life when you guys talk. I'm just like, <gasps> oh my god, <laughs> they're interacting. I seriously, she'll favorite a tweet, and I'm like. <gasps> <laughs> Oh my God, that's,
2: this is a good
1: tweet. She's the best. <laughs> Keeping it
2: up. I want to meet her. I recently saw, speaking of like TikToks and like marrying your best friend, um, I saw this TikTok of this girl who is, she's straight, and she is married to her best friend who is a bisexual woman, and they have a non-romantic, non-sexual relationship, but they're married. And that so like both of them are free to like date and sleep with whoever they want and like wow but the the marriage aspect of their lives is fulfilled with each other and I was like that is such an interesting approach to marriage and like goes against what we're taught and I am kind of
1: like obsessed with that idea I've never heard of anybody doing that I mean everyone has like a marriage pact with one of their friends (laughs) like if we're not married by morning but
2: but I've never never actually heard someone doing it I would love to see that normalized of like marrying <laughs> like because I don't know I don't know what's the benefit of getting married if there's no romance though to your best friend yeah I mean like if you plan you just have that like lifelong stability and friendship By you don't have the romantic the or sexual aspect interesting huh because like if you think about your best friend like Katie yeah has been in your life forever but how many dumb fucks <laughs> have you had to deal with in between that a hundred see yeah That's it wouldn't of- be the worst idea it wouldn't to marry someone like i wish there was like multiple kinds of marriages but that is illegal i think <laughs> Yeah. Like I want my main marriage to be with my best friend and then a romantic marriage with
1: a partner. I just like, because then
2: you still have that regular stability of partnership. But
1: I just feel like you can have the stability like without the paper. Yeah, that's true. So that's why I guess I'm confused about like what the, what the benefit would be like if I were to marry Katie, like what would change about our relationship? And like really it would be like taxes, (laughs) (laughs) Money and your living situation, or something, and then like a really weird divorce if either of us wanted to get married to someone else. <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, I can't say I've thought of it holistically, but I do think that it's like it's a cute idea. I and not even just like cute, like, I also think that it's so, I think it's just like this idea that's shoved down our throat that you're going to like meet your best friend and fall in love and be forever, be together yeah. forever, and like no one thinks about. Like the things that make you change and grow as a person, like you have to be, (laughs) you can't be weak to like survive that. Mm -hmm. You have to be on the same page of like, we're both probably going to grow and change. Like we're going to have to go through it together and it's not always going to be easy. And we have to talk about like how we want to raise our children. And there's just so many things I think people don't talk about. They're just like,
1: we're in love. Yeah, that's so true. It's so true.
2: And if you are in love great. Yeah. Good um, for you. <laughs> I'm so wow you. are you? <laughs> no, but seriously, like it is a rare thing and it then, really is. Um like the statistics around marriage are just insane and there I there think goes. it's because we're not like we have such this such an old idea of like Marriage and traditional relationships and stuff that it hasn't accounted for all of like the things that are rapidly changing
1: mm-hmm.
2: in our worlds
1: and mm-hmm. our lives. Yeah, marriage is such a weird, like, I don't know, like ancient thing now that yeah, we just kind of accept it as fact. <laughs> it's old and it's a
2: big deal. And I don't yeah, know. I don't understand. We got our sex fact of the week pew, from pew, our pew. expert, Amelia Sampson. <laughs>
1: I'm an expert Googler. Sexper, is what I am. Expert. Sexpert, expert, <laughs> baby. All right. So this website is health.com, which sounds legit. <laughs> it does. That's a good domain to own. Okay, here it is. The female orgasm lasts three times longer than the male orgasm. Bow, bow, bow. And then it says, What can we say? Women have some pretty serious orgasmic advantages in the bedroom. First of all, the typical female orgasm lasts about 20 seconds. Um this doctor's name is M- Michael Ritano. He's an MD, physician in residence at Men's Health Company. He previously told Health this, that, um, sorry, I'm trying to read this from far away because there's feedback on our microphone and I have old woman eyes. Um, <laughs> that's more than three times longer than the male experience, which clocks in at just six seconds. Women also have the upper hand when it comes to being able to have multiple orgasms and G-spot orgasms. Ah, it's great to be a woman. You know a man wrote this article, great to be a woman, my ass. Jealous. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Jealous much?
1: Yeah, we get long orgasms because we have to deal with so much other shit.
2: (laughs) Well, and then I think it also depends on, like, what kind of orgasm. Is it clitoral? Is Mm -hmm. it Mm G-spot? Is it both? Yeah. I like a little bit of both
1: yeah a little bit of like a little bit of nipples in there too have you ever had a nipple orgasm both
2: right now no
1: liz my nipples okay i some of y'all
2: as i'm touching my own nipples <laughs> um i don't know how many people know this uh i have big boobs i like a, i call it the secret big boob club because some people you just don't know until like suddenly they're in a tank top and you're like oh I didn't know that was under (laughs) your shirt um so I have big boobs I have for a long time (laughs) and I just don't have very like sensitive nipples Mm, okay because I feel like they're just stretched out
1: got it I don't know be good to get your nipples pierced then because you wouldn't feel it (laughs) I really wanted to get my nipples pierced for a while I wanted to also but uh
2: like, at the time, I was like, oh, I think I'm going to get my nipples pierced. I was like, well, if I have kids, it'll make breastfeeding harder.
1: Yeah. And I keloid, and I don't want, like, keloided nipples. What's that? It's like the, the scar tissue that I get on
0: my
1: ears. Uh, yeah, my dermatologist said everything above the rib cage keloids if you keloid. And he's like, so don't get your nipples pierced. Like, oh, shit. Okay, <laughs> roger that. But I really wanted to. But then also, even if I didn't keloid, I have the most sensitive nipples ever. You've had a nipple orgasm? Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. That's insane. Phenomenal. My ex read about it in Men's Health, and he was like, should we try? I was like, sure. What do you do? Does he just lick them? Flick just em, yep. lick them and flick them em. Em and flick them there's <laughs> a little lick and flick and a little like twirl Ooh. it takes it takes a long time but it is a bizarre feeling because you're not there's no vaginal anything and it just triggers there's some science about it with the brain i don't fucking remember oh, I that's insane up. yeah we should talk about that's that on another so cool. episode i want to actually do some research on that and talk about it because i've a lot of people don't know about this uh, well my ex had a nipple thing with his own nipples
2: uh i never i never gave him a nipple orgasm but it would but like, feel good for him yeah if i wanted if i wanted sex to wrap up i would <laughs> play with his nipples get the show on the road yeah which was all the time i was like oh god are we done yet <laughs> so i'd start playing with his nipples that was shoe man honestly and if you, you didn't even have to tell me that i already knew yeah he seems like a nipple. he play does seem like a guy. nipple play kind of guy and if you are listening and you know Shoe Man, now you know.
1: Likes his nipples. He's red. got a
2: nipple ugh. fetish.
1: God, I just want like picturing it with him. Yeah, ugh. he. He lives in such a dark part of my brain. <laughs> As he should. <laughs> it's real, but it's true. He's real, but it's true. Mom, spaghetti. <laughs> I don't know. It felt right there. It I'm did. not mad about it. It did. <laughs> Okay. Um thank you for listening. My ass has to go fucking work now. It's it's 9:40. Yep. So that's going to be a fun night for me. It's t-shirt uh, time. and I don't ever want to stop recording. But um thank you for listening. Please thank rate you. us on Apple Podcasts if you are listening on Apple Podcasts. Uh,
2: follow us on Spotify. Mm-hmm. We love you bitches.
1: Uh-huh. You're We're our, right there with you.
2: You're our angels. We love you angels. Love um, you.